Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Najarian with On Purpose Magazine, and today we're here uh, and very excited to have with us Ian Anderson from Jethro Tell. How are you doing, Ian? Well, I'm I'm very well, actually. I've just finished a long uh, period of touring in uh, Germany, but uh, I have a few days off before I head off to Iceland. So time to recharge the batteries and, indeed, learn a few more songs and arrangements for the uh, different program that I'm playing uh, during the month of June before returning to the uh, Thick as a Brick production tours um, for the rest of the year. Well, maybe uh, tell me a little about that, because I know you're coming back uh, July 5th through the 22nd uh, for a full American tour, and is that all Thick as a Brick 1 and 2? So is that different from what you're doing in Germany? No, no, that's that's uh, the, the, the U.S. and Canadian tours in, uh, are all the um, Thick as a Brick production tours. It's just, uh, just I think, what do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight concerts um, where it's a sort of best of Jethro Tull repertoire ah. coming up mostly in June, a couple in August. Otherwise, the rest of the uh, 100 shows or so is... Um, is uh, they are thick as a brick, uh, one and two. So that's that's what we'll be playing when we're in a in a town near you. Well, let, let me ask you because you know you you do you just said you had to recharge. Doing thick as a brick one and two all the way through, is that as tiresome as it seems it would be? I know you have you have a little help up there, but that's a lot of music. Well, it's um it's it's uh, about two hours and ten minutes of music time in in a two-and-a-half-hour show with the 20-minute intermission. So, you know, for two-and-a-half hours plus an hour at soundcheck, it's um, busy, busy. But, you know, it's good to keep busy at my age. It's all too easy just to, you know, God, God help me, if I start playing golf, shoot me. You know, it's, uh, I'd, I'd much rather be out there um, uh, doing what I do. And, it, yes, of course, it's a, it's a bit demanding physically, certainly demanding mentally, but the, um, the physicality of doing that performance every night is... Um, well, you know, it's like it's like it's, it's like going to work out in the gym, except I get paid for it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I got to see you in Long Beach uh, last time you came and played the uh, the, the Thick as a Brick uh, tour, and I would I, I had to say it was amazing because uh, though Thick as a Brick wasn't always at the top of my list. In fact, that's one of my questions: is why why did you decide to do a sequel to Thick and the Brick as opposed to some of the other albums? But I actually really enjoyed the concert, and uh, you you totally delivered on the show. I was very happy. Well, thank you. The uh, the concert is a challenge, and I think therein lies the the prime reason for doing it. That it was a frustrating um, year in 1972 when I took Figures of Brick on on tour um, in. Uh, well, particularly in the USA, where we played the bulk of the shows, because it, they were arena tours, and, and taking that kind of a show into arenas was, I think, a, a really big mistake because. It wasn't that kind of a, it was too theatrical a performance and musically quite, quite, I mean, really sort of almost beyond us to play at that time, technically. So it was tough. It was kind of Sorry? a departure. It was, was it not a departure from what you were, what people were used to and what you were playing at that point? And, you know, more yes, because I mean, we, we, yeah, by, by that time, you know, we'd had uh, one, two, uh, three, uh, four albums released in a period of three years and and so 
because it just said on the ticket, Jethro Tull, people came along to the, the concerts in 1972 and were bewildered, at least for the first half of the show, because they were getting one long piece of music which they were not obviously all familiar with. In fact, I suppose, you know, if there were 10,000 people in an audience, maybe only a 1,000 of them knew Thick as a Brick. And so it was a little... Uh, uh, for them, understandably, perhaps a little irritating to be confronted with some difficult, complex music, which um, wasn't really what they came to see, because they came to see the music from Aqualung and Benefit and stand up. They were not there to, to have, be assaulted with progressive rock, even if it was a, a little bit of a, a parody on the genre, as it was at that time. So. Right. It, 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 it was tough, and, and, you know, I had to fight through a lot of whistles and hoots and hollers and sometimes, you know, elements of derision from members of the audience who were the, you know, the good old uh, good old boys who wanted to crack open a couple of beers and, and uh, rock and roll with their buddies. So, it you know, it was it was tough and, and really quite frustrating and, um, and disappointing to me because it was, uh, you know, I'd hope people would, reverently listen to what we had to offer them and so in a way it's you know it's a little bit of a um revisiting thick as a brick 40 years later was was just to, for me really to try and prove to myself a we could play it technically and performance wise much better than we did it back then and secondly that uh, that it would receive um, the respect of the audiences wherever we played, and and I, I can confidently say that has been the case, even uh, even in the more difficult uh, parts of the world where audiences are perhaps renowned for being um, a bit on the vocal side. Right. Um, and I'm well, thinking Ian, Ian, New York, Ian, New York City. I'm, I'm thinking of Newcastle in England or Glasgow in Scotland. You know, they don't take they don't take prisoners there. <laughs> um, so you you really have to get an audience's attention and hold it for uh, for two and a half hours if you're going to dare set foot on the stage. Right. And um, Ian, you have, happily, you have several audiences though, right now. I mean, because with this thick as a brick, you kind of have following in the prog rock group, and and uh, you know, of course, your best of stuff. You know, the your your general audience for Jethro Tull as opposed the Ian Anderson crowd. Is that true? It's difficult really to know who they are now or who they were back then. It's um, uh, it's a, a bewildering array of people. It's I think that's one of the, the nice things about about what I do is I don't have a, a really target audience. It, it's one of the reasons that we never get any sponsors. As, as you know, sponsors will affiliate themselves right. with certain acts and uh, you know come up with a large amount of dosh to be involved with with tours. When particularly it's um, you know, when it's a real target audience where you can, the demographics are really, really precise and you can see what benefits there may be for your product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking about a certain artist who, um, um, you know, who uh, sports a couple of uh, very expensive Rolex watches, courtesy of, uh, of the Rolex watch company, because they uh, perceive that artist to be one that, um, is going to hit the right demographic of aspiring middle class professionals who will who like that kind of music and who are 
potentially people who will who will want to buy a Rolex if they don't already have one. Uh, that, that doesn't apply in the case of uh, me or Jethro Tull, simply because uh, we, we're just diffuse. We're, we're spread across several different age bands, several different backgrounds, you know, blue-collar workers, professionals, astronauts, <laughs> engineers, teachers, um, university lecturers, and guys who dig holes in the road and, and stack the shelves at supermarkets. So have, have it's, you, it's just bewilderingly any, uh, too broad. Have you ever done any pop commercials or anything and felt weird about that? No, I think I think uh, I think the only the only areas in which you know we were approached ever by sponsors have been basically uh, booze and backy, uh, because that at one time crossed all uh, all boundaries. So you know we we, we found ourselves sometimes having to explain um, why it's not really acceptable for us to go out there under a banner, you know, um, selling uh, whatever. Um, um, killer non-filtered cigarette might be the um, might be the um, the wish of uh, of a sponsor or promoter. Uh, so I, I don't I never have done cigarette advertising, and uh, certainly in terms of in terms of drink, it's usually been limited to. Um, um, I think on the, on the one or two occasions ever come up, it, it's been sort of rather more prestigious brands, but um, certainly not right. beer. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, for instance, accept a you know a, a sponsor that was a beer commercial. So basically, we, we just don't have sponsors. It's, it's almost never happened. It's, it's just we're not that kind of a band. It's because of the demographics, because right. our, our audience is so across the board. You know, but for me, that's great. That's that's that makes me happy because we do have this huge huge variety of, of human types um some of them more, only borderline human so <laughs> right well that's, I can that's think kind of I, I, I can bring you back I, to the the first the first question i asked and that was why 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 thick is it for two was it to answer the question uh you know what happened to gerald boss well yes i mean it's because of of the um I suppose I've provoked into it over the years by a number of people who've suggested, oh, why don't you do a follow-up to Thick as a Brick? I mean, people, whether they're fans or record company guys or, you know, people in the in the media, journalists, whatever, the question's come up many, many times over the years. And I, it, it's not one that I've um, spent a lot of time working out in my own head as to whether there was any plausible answer to the, to the question. But in 2010, in November, December... I um I decided I would give it a little thought because I had at that point um decided that I would probably give a go to doing uh, thick as a brick in uh, right. in 2012 uh, the, you know the original recording and to perform it live so that was already in my head and so in end of 2010 I thought well you know it'd be interesting to see if it was possible to um, do something that was a sequel, but not not revisiting in a sense of nostalgia. So right. the, uh, you know, the, the jump 40 years the into the future, the jump 40 years into the future represented right. by the whatever happened to Gerald Bostock question was was the, the simple, obvious answer to that question that I'd been asked over the years. And then so I set forth to, uh, to write uh, a piece based around those possible outcomes in the young Gerald Bostock's life. And was this kind of a, a way for you to be able to uh, speak out in different ways, like uh, about religion, about politics, about just the world and how it's changed in the last 40 years? 
Or, well, I didn't really set out to, to pontificate on religious or social or economic issues. I, it just comes naturally to me <laughs> because I'm interested, and I, you know, I'm one of those guys who reads the papers, watches rolling news programs, current affairs programs, and then spends my time trying to have them out. Where the hell um, we're we're headed as a as a as a species, and so it's both the historical aspects of uh, how we got here, as well as the the more uh, fanciful um, uh, thoughts about where we might be going. These these are things that that occupy many of my waking moments. They have done most of my life. I've been interested in what's going on. I'm I'm amazed there are people in my in my own band that I don't never read a newspaper, no, never watch television, right. and uh, I know people who don't even own a television. And, and I mean, sh- sure, you don't have to spend your time watching soap operas or. You know, or the shopping channel. There's some there's some stuff of great educational value on on our television sets, and I think we should avail ourselves of it. Absolutely. Let me ask you because this is on Purpose Magazine. You're speaking to. I'd always like to ask um, um, my interviewers about the causes and foundations they support. I, I know that you're um, you, you're you're square on environmental causes and some other things. What, what causes are you supporting right now? Well, I, I I do try to mix it up a bit. I'm I'm not one of those people who tends to get stuck in a certain, uh, you know, with a certain kind of um, um, a charitable outlet, and that's that's what I'm going to support for the rest of my life. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm one of those guys who feels that um, there are so many things out there that uh, simply, you know, get behind one of them and stick with that. You know, seems to ignore all the others, and so there are a number of things that I will tend to support. There are a, a number of cancer charities or health-related charities that, that you know, I, I would uh, try to give a little to. There are the, obviously the charities involved in the in the church where the supporting of our churches and cathedrals is something important mm-hmm. to me. And as a non-Christian, I think I have a more objective view about those issues than perhaps some other people. Right. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite... Uh, dedicated in my support of the uh, of the Christian church um, if they'd let me do concerts in, in you know in mosques and uh, tabernacles and various other places hell I'd support them too but you know we, 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 we don't get that opportunity even the Catholic church is a little twitchy about letting people like me through the doors in a performance sense but um, no, I, I, I have played a number of uh, of Catholic churches too, and uh, you know, I, I don't discriminate in, in terms of any religion. I, I support the function of religion in society wholeheartedly, but it doesn't mean that I buy their message as, a, as an individual. Um, right. Hey, let, me, let me back up a second because you talked about the mm-hmm. cancer stuff, and I know in your concert you made a PSA about prostate cancer, which I am now a uh, recently diagnosed as a uh, uh, prostate cancer. Um, receiver (laughs) and uh, so I just wanted to thank you for that I know you're um, that uh, you've spent a little time in that particular arena making uh, people aware and so I appreciate that well you know it's it's um, frankly um, it's prostate cancer rather than colon cancer which is a bit a bit closer to me and my family um, and and amongst friends um, but unfortunately, the um, the surgeon had um, erased my colonoscopy video, which I wanted to show on stage, and uh, I was going to do a piece about colon uh, cancer, but um, uh, that that was not e- that that was not available. So I decided. Partly because we in the music business have lost a lot of people to prostate cancer. For me, notably Frank Zappa, who was a, you know one of my 
musical heroes, I suppose, and uh, and some other guys that I think, uh, in in the light of today's knowledge, you know, would would have not probably right. not succumbed to prostate cancer if they'd had early diagnosis and early treatment. But, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people didn't know about this stuff. Now it's it's uh, it's part of the, as I talk about, the annual health inspection. There's things that, 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 that we should all be doing, you know, age 40 or 50 onwards. You know, we, it's part of life. It's like, like going to the dentist and having your teeth cleaned or fixed every Cup, you know, every year or whatever, twice a year, whenever you might go, that we 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 do that. We accept that that's part of life, going to the dentist. But we should actually accept that for most of us, part of life is going for, uh, you know, for breast cancer screening if we're ladies, or ovarian cancer, and uh, and for guys, prostate cancer, and for all of us, colon cancer. Unfortunately, is uh, seems seems to be on the increase, partly because we're living longer, but partly because many of us have appalling diets and uh, take a huge amount of um, processed food in our diets, which is um, not not really a safe thing to do. So, yeah, that's part, part of the message, but I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm just, just throwing it up as a bit of entertainment, and they can make of it what they wish. But you're not the first person to say to me, you know, I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and to feel... Maybe in a way that you're sort of sharing something because, you know, the fact that I talk about it on stage and bring it to people's attention, it scares the shit out of a lot of people. I mean, you you know, you can hear a pin drop because... Right. People don't like to be reminded of that, but you know, I'm there to I'm there to actually point the finger at a bunch of guys who are too lazy to get off their fat arses and go and have a checkup. Uh, it's not for them I'm doing it; it's for their family, for their wives, for their children. Because if you're stupid enough not to do it for yourself, think about the rest of your family who who really don't want you to uh, have an early demise. So um, that that that's part of my rather punchy message there. But it's not something well, I'm. You know, it's a good message. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not in a. I'm not a do-gooder by nature. I'm actually rather right. a selfish person. And doesn't do enough, but here and there I stick my oar in and try and stir things up a bit. Well, you know, it's a good message because you just said hey, everybody gets the uh, yearly physical now and they hit their 50s. It, it seems like it's almost automatic, and why should we even uh, bother with it anymore? But when I told all my friends that I had this diagnosis, I was surprised how many of my friends in their 50s had put it, put it off or not done it or were, weren't planning on doing it to much later if, or unless the doctor made them. Oh, which is yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. I know from all of my friends that there are very, very few who have been for a prostate check, you know, people in their 50s and 60s, and, and, even, and much, much less have, uh, have been for one of the more readily available basic tests for colon, colon cancer. So, you know, in, and, and, and a lot of women who just... Who, I think women on the whole tend to be a bit better about going for breast cancer screening. It's, it's sort of women tend to be less twitchy. They, they maybe they just care for themselves and their family a bit more than guys do. But I mean, I I, I remember doing a whole British tour every night. I would say, okay, hands up in the audience, everyone who's had a uh, has had a um, you know prostate uh, check in the last uh, twelve months. PSA, and right. if I'm lucky, out of maybe you know. 1,500, 2,000 people, there would be maybe 10 hands would go up, and the chances are half of them would be women, <laughs> which is just true, because, 
uh, I think people actually just don't stop to think, oh, it's a place to put my hand up here, I'll put it up. But no, <laughs> most guys are either, they haven't done it or they're not willing to admit to the fact they've been for a prostate check because they find it perhaps a little sort of, I don't know, demeaning in some way to have, a, have someone stick their finger up your bottom because, frankly, a PSA blood test is better than nothing. But, you know, for me, belt and braces, I, I insist on the slippery finger as well just to be, try to be sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, TMI. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, 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 on, a, on, a, on a personal note, I do hope that your, your prognosis is good and that um, you can look forward to uh, uh, a controlled uh, level of disease rather than, um, than some, some of the more virulent forms of all cancers, which uh, don't give many second chances to folks. But uh, hope, hopefully Well, luckily with uh, prostate cancer, if you catch it early, shape. diagnosis might be bad, prognosis good. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. Nine, 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 nine times out of ten, that is the case. Therefore, that's the point about doing it. It's not that uh, for most people it doesn't spell uh, uh, it doesn't spell doom and gloom. It spends it, it does it does, however, spell some some intervention and some uh, some uh, careful thinking about uh, maybe modifying your lifestyle, maybe controlling the the disease in uh, in ways that you perhaps weren't aware of uh, were on offer. So. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I, people are afraid to know about cancer. I, I'm I'm not one of those. I want to know if I'm something yeah. wrong with me. I want to know about it as soon as possible. In the in the in the in in the case that it can be either fixed or controlled, or at least I can I can uh, revisit my will and try not to forget some of the nice people that I've known in my life. Oh yeah. So anyway, but mo mo moving on. Moving, if I'm moving, moving on. on moving on sideways and out. <laughs> I, I'm actually 10 minutes overdue for my next interview, so we're going to have to And I should let up. you go, so I really appreciate your time, uh, Ian, and, uh, you know, break a leg, have a great time, and we'll see you uh, here in uh, the States in uh, July. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. See All you right, soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Meta Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.